Hi, it's Mark Stenson. I'd like to tell you about a new sponsor who's unlocking creativity in a unique way. It's an app called Headphone. That's H-E-A-D-F-O-N-E. On Headphone, you can listen to premium audio dramas like romance, thriller, and horror. I was just listening to Dracula Reborn that breathes new life into Bram Stoker's classic tale. Right now, Headphone is offering listeners a 10% discount when you use this code to subscribe. Mark Creativity 10. So go to headphone.page.link slash markcreativity10. I'll put that link in the show notes. And thanks again to the folks at Headphone for their support of the podcast. Tap into your most original thinking. Organize your ideas and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And our worldwide travels talking to creative practitioners take us to the Midlands of the UK in Birmingham, and we'll drive about 12 miles northwest of Birmingham to the town of Wolverhampton. My guest <laughs> is Martin Tracy. He's a uh, author, and uh, we're going to talk about his genre and his passion for storytelling. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Yeah, tell me about this town of Wolverhampton. Yeah, so the West Midlands per se. That's the Midlands, but there's the West Midlands per se that all interlock into one another. So I'm actually a Birmingham born and bred. I live in the northwest part of Birmingham, which touches upon Warsaw, which touches touches upon Wolverhampton. So they're all mishmashed together, really. However, Wolverhampton is the actually the soccer team I support, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. So it's quite a tight-knit area, whether it's Birmingham, Warsaw, Wolverhampton, there are other places like West Bromwich, Dudley, etc., etc. Yeah, the area that I live in is not famed for its hot summers, shall we say. <laughs> it's usually quite rainy. And it's very much industrial. If people are familiar with the Industrial Revolution that happened back in the 17th century and 18th century, where uh, Birmingham was the pioneer in that. There's an old saying, Birmingham has more canals than Venice even, because they used the waterways to uh, transport the produce that was being made. There's the jewel quarter that's in Birmingham. Wolverhampton was very big in terms of industrial steel making and making locks, believe it or not, that locks, just locks that you have on your doors. It was a kind of a real groundbreaking, but yeah, very industrial. Furthest part of England from anywhere, any coastline. So right smack in the middle of England, but I'm sure you're aware England, everything is quite small, compact. So it is, it is uh, reachable by car and train quite easily the coast but we are we are in the we are the furthest from anyone i love it thanks for painting that picture for us because uh okay. martin i think like many writers your setting your town your background informs a lot of your writing now your genre is paranormal and a lot of fantasy uh, storytelling but uh, you draw on some of your background and your upbringing and this setting into your the location, into your stories. Tell us a little bit about that and, and your work. Yeah, sure. Your listeners would have already signified, identified that my accent is, <laughs> is a <laughs> true Birmingham accent. The only other people you've probably heard say this is UB40, the pop group. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, so they've got the Birmingham accent like myself. And I don't know if Peaky Blinders, how big that is over in 
the states but again that that's a backdrop of birmingham history but bringing it back to your question where where it, I'm involved with using my background. I'm passionate about coming from what we call working class roots in Birmingham. So a lot of the characters, a lot of the situations are set in that kind of arena. Plus, I do set a lot of my books, particularly the Judd Stone series that I'm writing. I'm now embarking on five and six simultaneously which is a bit of a challenge so there's four of them available they're set in Birmingham Judd Stone the protagonist is a bit of an anti-hero and he pops up here then everywhere in Birmingham and the like and he's he's actually on a fictional but it's obviously based on Westminster's police but a fictional police force and then he becomes a private investigator by the time he's on book four but I think it, there's an old saying, always write about what you know, and I think that's what I've done with settings and with even t- with character development and certainly probably the way I write even, it, it comes over that, that the only one who I think who's similar in terms of writing style to me, I think Martina Cole, who writes a lot of gangster novels and that kind of thing set in London, but that's just the approach of using the English language is probably similar to mine. Yeah. She's a very good author. I'm really a, like her. But from the supernatural and everything else um, being brought in, uh, I, I always loved the Hammer House of Horror films as a kid. They really fascinated <laughs> me. All the classic gothic stuff, Jack Dracula, Frankenstein and all that. But then uh, obviously reading one of America's best writers, Stephen King, I was always really brought into his books. That supernatural element is something I like to bring into the books along with the Midland settings and yeah and the other thing is of course my background primarily my first love was music I played in a few bands in and around Birmingham I did support a role in Gift of the Fine Young Cannibals I think you should have heard of them oh, in, the definitely. in the 80s yeah yeah so had it drives me crazy point. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that's what Roland's famous for. I, my music career never never got anywhere near as famous as his. However, because music was my first love and I love songwriting, um, and you're telling a story, really, when it just came to moving to novel writing, it not that much difference to a certain degree. Obviously, there's more words and there's more scope, and, and you're just telling a bigger, longer story with a lot more factors within it but that sort of creativity of just wanting to tell a story that came from my musical background even and music is something again that cuts through all of my writing and there's yes. always a musical element within there as well thanks for that background on the craftsmanship i'm really curious uh, from your point of view martin this uh, kind of suspense dark fiction you've talked about crime and uh, that sort of thing, these themes and the stories. How do mm-hmm. you create the pacing, the story, quite quite literally from a craftsmanship standpoint? How do you outline and create the flow of your stories? Yeah, it's a great question. And my answer will be similar to other authors, but um, I know that other authors will, will create it differently uh, in terms of their process. You have to do what works for you. What works for me and what allows me for, um, as you've probably got a flavour thus far, um, there are a lot of elements and sub-layers and different things being pulled in all the time into my stories. Um, I think that's one way, as long as you're careful with it, I think that's one way that keeps them original and keeps them as page turners. So when I outline it, I I have obviously the root cause, um, sorry, the root core idea of what I want to do for that story 
and then I'll create what I prefer to call a framework rather than a plan. So it mm. will have a sort of a framework of how the chapter, chapters are going to flow. But if I don't stick too rigidly to that because you get little light bulb moments as you're developing the characters, developing the storylines. You might see something that inspires you from another piece of art or, or craftsmanship, even watching films, telly, reading other books, etc. That just inspire you to maybe go off in a slightly different direction. So it's about that framework and allowing the journey really to ebb and flow a little bit and to and the road to become more windy than straight, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And maybe yeah. we could get a look over your shoulder, Martin, as you're writing. Are you using any particular methods or tools, I, I'll call them? A lot of people will put index cards on the wall. Some will use these yeah. online uh, writing tools. Anything that helps you uh, with your craft? Um, I, I'm a bit old school, really, with that. Um, I don't. I I do have little bits of paper every now and then, and because, and and what the sort of outline of the chapter plan does, because obviously you can think of something that can happen. I want to write about this, but it ain't going to happen for at least another three, four, five, six, even seven chapters later. So you have to <laughs> make a note of that, otherwise you're going to lose it. Um, Definitely. Yeah. yeah, we all have those clip files. I'm looking across yeah, exactly. my desk now. I've got a magazine open. I've got three napkins and I got two post-it notes. It's like, <laughs> where am I going with this idea? <laughs> yeah, and what I do, and, and this was the same when I was songwriting, you will always get your most inspirational ideas at the most inconvenient times. <laughs> yes. Back in the day when I was writing songs, I'd have a little pad with me and I'd write down a lyric that come into my mind or something. Now when I get an idea of a way a character development could go or a story could go, I actually, what I do, I text myself the idea so I don't lose it or forget it. And then I just write that up into what you'd call your your plan, your framework, your pieces of paper that you're going to bring in later. And, and I do, I, I am someone who does have lots of pieces of paper everywhere with little notes and doodles written on. They make sense to me. I don't know if they'd make sense to anyone else if they was to pull them. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, and you've talked about a lot of different kinds of writing, Martin. You've got, like your songwriting, some fiction, some nonfiction even. Are, are you trying to create a different voice you obviously have a particular style and voice of your own, very authentic, very genuine. But are you trying to vary that in your different work? Uh, I think so. I think the answer to that is yes and no. And if I can try and explain that, I think first and foremost, I think if you try and write to formula too much, it's not going to be as an interesting story. I think you've, you've got to write from the heart and the gut and believe what you're writing. And, and another bit of an old cliche, I want to write books that I'd like to read. I know what interests me. Bear in mind, I understand there's a reader at the end of it, and I definitely always want to connect with the reader. But you've got to write it from your own personal perspective that, that you're going to like it first off, and then if you like it, hopefully someone else will. But in terms of a voice, there are lots of great authors out there, and they all have voices. And I'm not necessarily trying to break them all, but what, what I guess I do try and do is, because I'm interested in so many different factors and sub-layers, that's, that's probably what my voice is, that there will be these sub-layers, these subplots. It can probably be a little look a little bit like an organised chaos sometimes by the in the middle of my book, if that makes sense. From trying to be, I think it's important to try and always be original because there there have been stories and things that have been told before, but in so many different ways that and are even quite similar. So I always try and come up with an original subject 
and then hopefully it's an original story by the end of what the readers found as well and try and keep it interesting even though with subplots and sub layers you have your cliffhangers at the end of the chapters like any other sort of thriller writer and you build up the suspense yeah i guess the other thing is my subjects and what i'm there's not many people for example one of my books, Beneath the Floodlights, it's literally about a soccer team that's took over by vampires. And, and I think that's probably <laughs> something that no one else has done before or thought of. Um, I so, love that. Yeah, well, so, yeah. We're talking about voice then, Martin, but do you have a copy of uh, Double Fantasy, your latest work? I'd love to hear an excerpt. Uh, um, this is Chapter 10, uh, House of Fun. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of context. So this is from Double Fantasy. Some of you might recognize that title from a John Lennon album actually John Lennon's last album as I said music inspires me and Judd Stone who's a protagonist he's actually a big John Lennon and a big Beatles fan just like myself so he's into his music as well what's happened here is in Double Fantasy with him being a big Beatles fan he's he thinks he's got away for the weekend from doing private investigating and some whole friends have phoned him up and he's gone on a boozy weekend in Liverpool so he thinks and he's actually replacing Andrew Ridgely as one half of Wham! in an 80s festival because the Andrew Ridgely <laughs> tribute act has, has had a skiing accident. But at this 80s festival, take place at Liverpool Docks, there's uh, a tribute act to Boy George, a tribute act to Madonna, a tribute act to George Michael, Duran, et cetera, et cetera, all these 80 people. They get mixed up with some gangsters after something goes hideously wrong. So they get chased out of town and then they head towards the Merseyside countryside. And this is where we're going to pick it up House of Fun because Judd, along with his friend Rufus and Diego, and then the boy George, his tribute act is actually Girl George and Madonna, etc. They're all there and um, they've just come across in a storm. They've come across a house where they think they can get some shelter. That's the context for where we are now. Chapter 10, House of Fun. Judd was first to reach the door. It's locked, but I can tell that it doesn't have much holding it firm. Stand back and I'll put some welly behind it. Please do, Judd, and hurry. This weather's terrible out here. It's making my mascara run, said Madonna. Mine too, said Girl George. With all due respect, ladies, I think we have more important things to worry about than your makeup being compromised, said Rufus. Though I do recall Liza Minnelli saying the same thing to me once during one of her visits to the UK. Rufus's remarks fell on indifferent ears as the door burst open courtesy of Judd's meaty shoulder. We're in. Diego entered after Judd, just in case there were any surprises waiting, and was then swiftly followed by the others as they escaped the torrential rain. Is there a light, asked Madonna, pleased to be out of the storm, but a little unnerved by the surrounding darkness. I've just tried the switch, answered Judd, but either the bulb is gone or the electric is cut off. Here, I'll use the torch on my mobile phone, offered Girl George. Good thinking, said Judd, as visi vis visibility instantly became clearer, courtesy of the torch. That worked a treat. Yeah, it has, but I can't get any signal, said Girl George. And maybe it would have been better leaving our eyes ignorant, said Rufus. Just look at this place. The torchlight on the phone surprisingly projected a much more powerful beam than imagined. However, it still cast an eerie arc as it struggled to flood into every corner and parameter of the room. When was the last time anyone lived here? said Diego. It's like we've gone back in time, observed Madonna. Neither Diego or Madonna were mistaken. There's no evidence afoot of living in the 21st century and not much more of even the 20th century. There didn't appear to be a television present in the building. However, there was some sort of old turntable perched precariously on top of a homemade bookshelf. 
It was a type of record player that had speakers built within its frame. The bookshelf was crudely put together with bits of one matching wood and its shelves hosted album sleeves as well as books. Cobwebs clung onto almost every available opportunity in the room, creating a multitude of silky coverings. Also, a number of wicker baskets were dotted here and there, each with a random cloth of yesteryear covering any contexts that may be within. A rag rug covered a section of the quarry tile floor, neither of which seemed to have benefited from any cleaning agents in a while. A couple of walls were absent of plaster, exposing an actual stone long ago, and none of them decorated, except that was for one of those dark and eerie portraits of someone from centuries before, where the eyes followed you no matter which way you turned. A beveled mirror also hung above the open fireplace. Over the passage of time, the reflective glass of the mirror fell vectin to desilvering as a number of dark spots were in situ. Rufus noticed there to be a small number of candle holders scattered around the place and proceeded to light the only two that were housing any candles, albeit they had already been partly used. The drip-by-drip drip gathering of the once-melted max could have provided the illusion of eerie shapes the most dormant of imaginations. Furthermore, the protruding stone of the wall seemed to conjure up what seemed to be twisted faces amid the flickering flames. There weren't many windows in view and an even smaller amount of curtains to cover them, just small random pieces of cloth haphazardly positioned over the odd pane. The wind howled through a broken corner of one window a jug collected a lonesome cloth from the floor before stuffing it into the jagged hole in an attempt to try and plug the force of the elements. This place sure gives me the creeps, said the Madonna, tributes at. At least it's dry, said Rufus, but I can't find myself disagreeing with you, Madonna. I wonder what's through that door, asked Madonna, looking at the only doorway out of the room other than the one that they had used to gain entry from the outside. It's probably a good place to start. Yeah, what that's is excellent. That door. What is behind that door? <laughs> yes, yes. Very descriptive. Very thank you. you know, lot, lots of painting the picture, and plus now I like to add the author's voice. We've been talking about voice, but literally your voice is part of the scene now for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Very good. I, well, I hope that has painted the picture of they've stumbled across this place, which they, they think is going to be a safe haven, but. Is it? <laughs> That's right. I yeah. love the suspense. We've been talking about your background, your setting, your town. You also like to get a get around town, visit the bookstores, visit some local events. Tell me about how you get involved in the community. That is really true, actually. And you've done your research well. I'm impressed, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, connecting with readers and other authors is really important to me to learn from one another, just support one another, really. We're all in it together. So what I tend to do is sign up and be a part of these multi-author events, if I can call them that, where if you can imagine, I don't know if you're familiar with it, it's a bit like a convention. Yeah, they're like market stalls. So each author will have their own market stall, so to speak, and they sell their wares and their signed copies of their books at their market stalls and then readers can come and meet them, obviously. And it's a wonderful way to A, build your profile visually, they get to meet an author, you get to meet a reader, and, and they can buy a book to uh, sign copies. So that's what I like to do. And I've been all over the UK doing that, Liverpool, Manchester, my own town of Birmingham, where I actually co-hosted one of these events. I'm doing Brighton towards the end of October, and that's a particularly uh, dark fiction genre one. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then other bookstores, of course, the usual ones that, that are around in, in and around the UK. I'll get around them as well. Yeah. 
as well, well as good, it's good advice for authors. You really have had some success with this. So I wanted yeah. to share that because I think a lot of writers do ask themselves, how do I get the word out or how do I get inspiration or support from other authors? And it sounds like yeah. you find a lot of value in these events. Definitely. You connect with the same people on social media. And then obviously when you then meet up at the events, it's like you you know each other anyway. But then that just builds a new layer of um, connection because you've you, the people you've connected with on social media, you'll always meet new people, of course, which is wonderful as well. But then going to the physical event, you can really connect and make really good contacts and friends. And every, everyone, it, the book community is quite supportive of one another. It's, it's a good old community. It's not cutthroat really in terms of, if you're with your peers, your peers are, are actually quite good at being supportive and, and we all help one another. So yeah, That's it's, terrific. it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. It's brilliant to raise your profile because marketing is such a difficult part of the writing world. And I find this personally as a good way to build the profile and people actually know that my books exist. Yeah, it's been fantastic talking to you about uh, your completed work. What else is uh, on the screen? What else is in the the hopper for you? Yeah, there's a few different projects. Immediate sort of novel writing, as I mentioned earlier, is books five and six in the Judd Stone series. The reason that is, is because I've had two simultaneous ideas. I told you that they come at the worst time. So mm -hmm. I'm actually being quite ambitious in trying to write them side by side. But that's worked well good because I can make little linkages in the series. So book five is called Working Title at the moment is When the Levy Breaks. And it's about actually inspired by a Mexican, what would I call it, a story, but it's, it's more than a story, a legend, that's it, a, mm. a sort of a Mexican legend story around where the haunting of a lake takes place. So I've brought that theory into Birmingham. There's a famous park in Birmingham called Sutton Park. So that theory of this Mexican legend of a girl who drowned being haunted and what Judd has to do is try and find out, amongst other things, why that has happened. In the sixth one, which hasn't really got a title yet, that, that is in very early progress. It's about, it's going to try and look into the black market of organ organs being sold on the black market like mm. kidneys livers etc so i know it sounds a bit grim for some people <laughs> but it's it's a story that it's something that is happening i believe obviously i'll put a fictional slant on that but with all my books i do mix fact and fiction together which is something i was inspired by dan brown actually when he done it with the Vinci code and uh, yes. angels and demons it's good source of inspiration topic. yeah exactly yeah. Different well, topic, but, but the way he done that gave me the confidence to to actually attempt that myself yes. um, and then the other two projects are actually non-fiction where i've just released a discography which is as a short biography and all the artwork of duran but i'm now working with a publisher called andrew spark and a lady called maggie k demand who was actually an 80s pop star in a band called scarlet fantastic certainly made the top top charts in the uk not sure about the us but her brother who sadly passed away he was in and around the scene of the birmingham scene in the late 70s, early 80s, and caught very early pictures of Duran and other bands, Culture Club as well, Boy George, before they were famous. So we're actually working on getting them harnessed into a series, a collective series. So that's a really exciting project. And it's yes, something that very exciting. To see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots and, to look forward to. So we're going to want to stay connected with you, Martin. Where, where can our listeners uh, find you and follow your work? 
Yeah, so I have my own website, www.martintracy.co.uk, and that is Martin Tracy, C-E-Y at the end of Tracy, co.uk, so not .com. Something I should probably sort out, .com, actually. <laughs> at the time, UK, .uk uh, is my domain name. But if you Google it, I should pop up. Obviously, I've got an Amazon author page, and you find all my books on Amazon, and the links are from the page, but there's certainly some biogs there. Also, I'm on all social media platforms, Twitter, my, or oh, it's X now, isn't it? Yes, um, formerly yeah. known as Twitter. Now that we're Yeah, commonly known that. as Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Martin Tracy one So just my name with one on the end. Martin of Molyneux Author on Instagram and TikTok. The reason it's Martin and Molyneux is that's the home of my beloved Wolverhampton Wanderers, Molyneux, where they play. And I'm trying to think of, I missed out a social media platform, but you'll, they're, they're all connected from my they're, website. Yeah, they're all there. So yeah, all go, there. To, go to uk and you'll find all the uh, information in the contact section. Yeah. Martin, what a great conversation. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Mark. Thank you so much. There is, if I just very quickly, there is one other project I'm working on. So again, working non-fiction with an 80s band called Fuzzbox. We've got Fuzzbox, we're going to use it. I'm working with them to create their biography. So that's something exciting that's in the pipeline as well. But sorry, just thought no, I'd get that. I, I love all <laughs> the 80s revival work. It's bringing all yeah. those names back to the front of my brain now. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Martin, so, it's been really fun talking with you. I can't wait to see more of this work coming out and hope all the listeners have a chance to gain some insight and some inspiration. We've been talking about craft and the unique style and passion that Martin has for storytelling, but also how his writing journey and influences from his setting and from his background and from other authors all give ingredients into the work. So we can learn a lot from that. Thanks again, Martin. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Mark. And listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around-the-world journeys. We'll be stopping in Amsterdam. We'll be stopping in, let's see, New York City. So we've got lots of stops along the way to talk to other creative practitioners about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and most of all, how they gain the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll be unlocking your world of creativity. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. If you like this podcast, here's another show that you'll like from BSB Media. The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. It features interviews with healthcare leaders, patient advocates, medical providers, and researchers. Presented by 83Bar. Look for The Patients Speak on your favorite podcast app.